G'day, and welcome to another week of Stick Together, Australia's only national radio program dedicated to union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast right around the country thanks to the Community Radio Network. My name's Matt Conkle. This week on the show, we'll take you to Tasmania, where public sector workers are taking industrial action as part of their long-running pay dispute with the state's Liberal government. We also head to Queensland where hospital pharmacists are dispensing free drugs as part of a campaign to protect their wages and conditions. But first, some union news. The Australian Building and Construction Commission, the ABCC, has sent late-night goons to serve legal papers at the homes of workers in the lead-up to the Easter long weekend. 42 workers are accused of taking unprotected action at the Perth Airport Rail Link project in December last year, a time when sinkholes and water leaks caused significant issues requiring one worker to be winched to safety. The legal action comes as the ABCC escalates its anti-union activity in the lead-up to the federal election. The Commission has also just launched action against the Queensland Secretary of the Plumbers Union and 25 of its members over charges that relate to matters dating as far back as 2017. It has also filed papers on 53 AWU members and their organiser for allegedly stopping work to attend Melbourne's second Change the Rules rally. These charges were loudly and publicly served just days out from the most recent Change the Rules rally, no doubt an implied threat to other workers considering similar action. Dave Noonan, the National Secretary of the CFMEU's Construction Division, likened the ABCC's actions to those you would see in an authoritarian dictatorship and called on Prime Minister Scott Morrison to condemn them and to tell the Commission's head, Stephen McBurney, to quote, pull his head in. In other ABCC-related news, workers at arms and munitions manufacturer Talus have just rejected an offer for an agreement that would be compliant with the ABC's building code. This code doesn't allow for several union-friendly conditions otherwise allowed in agreements in all other sectors of the economy. The company argues that the federal government issued a notice to them that their multi-million dollar contracts might not be renewed unless workers agreed to the cuts, despite these workers clearly being involved in the manufacturing operations of the business. The company and the government are arguing that because sometimes some workers are required to assist in renovation or decommissioning works, that all workers need to be covered by the code. This overreach is not new, with similar attempts being made to enforce the building code in the South Australian power industry, as well as other manufacturing plants, particularly those in the building supply chain. The ABCC faces an uncertain future, with Labor promising to scrap the Anti-Union Commission if it is elected. In response, the Master Builders Association, the peak body for building companies, has launched a $700,000 billboard campaign in a rearguard action to save it. The West Australian branch of the AWU is celebrating after a successful appeal against the termination of their enterprise agreement at Alcoa. Their agreement had been terminated by the Fair Work Commission just days before Christmas last year. This left workers to face the holidays with the prospect of being thrown back to the bare basic minimum conditions of the Aluminium Industry Award. The union indicated that it would appeal the decision in early January, seeking to protect the hard-won conditions and return the workers to their EBA. The union and the company have been stuck in a protracted negotiation, with the workers seeking a simple rollover of the existing agreement while the company has been seeking savage cuts. The agreement covers approximately 1,500 West Australian workers in five refineries and mines. The workers were on strike for 52 days before voting to return to work in September 2018. Since the Commission's decision in December, the parties have continued to negotiate, albeit with the company in a strong position, knowing that if negotiations continued past the 1st of July, they would automatically get everything they had asked for. Despite this, the members voted down a third offer in March 2019, waiting instead to see the results of their appeal. Now the union's position is improved, with their current paying conditions guaranteed until a new agreement is reached. However, Alcoa now has two weeks to decide if they will seek a judicial review in the federal court, which is effectively an appeal of the union's successful appeal. 
Still in Western Australia, more than 200 union members and community supporters have held a noisy protest last Thursday at the front of Commerton Industrial Park. They are angry that US-based company Albemarle is refusing to negotiate an agreement with its local workers at a new lithium refinery project and the associated mine in that state's southwest. The AMWU, ETU and CFMEU are seeking negotiation for site agreements instead of the low-wage basic condition agreements currently in place. West Australian AMWU State Secretary Steve McCartney has said that despite promises to do so, the company has refused to hold talks with the union, which is seeking to transition its members from the region's declining coal industry to the production of lithium hydroxide, which is an essential component in the manufacture of electric vehicles. West Australia is one of the largest exporters of lithium and production at the new refinery is expected to reach up to 100,000 tonnes per year, which would represent more than a third of the total global demand for the precursor to electric car batteries. Demand for the material is only expected to rise sharply into the future. The state government is talking about the creation of more than 1,000 jobs, but the union is seeking to ensure that these are stable, secure jobs with a living wage. Not content with ripping off the elderly and even dead people, it turns out that the Commonwealth Bank has also been screwing over its own staff. The bank has admitted that it owes roughly 8,000 of its staff more than $4.8 million after a miscalculation. This comes after another audit in 2017 where it found that the bank had not paid almost $17 million in superannuation for its staff. The National Secretary of the Finance Sector Union, Julia Angrisano, said that this $4.8 million is just the tip of the iceberg and that workers at the Commonwealth Bank and its subsidiary Bank West have been underpaid for years, and the final total could amount to more than $15 million once superannuation and other entitlements are considered. Current and former workers can find out more information about the underpayments from their union. Naturally, a spokesman for the Commonwealth Bank has told us that the bank regrets its error. The Australia Institute's Centre for Future Work has released figures showing that workers in Australia will lose $80 million in wages over the Easter and Anzac Day period owing to the cuts to penalty rates made by the Fair Work Commission and supported no less than seven times by the federal Liberal government. The refusal of the government to reverse the cuts means that minimum wage workers in the hospitality, retail and pharmacy industries have less to show for their time working while most people take time off over the public holiday period. The report released last week shows that these workers will lose up to $630 million across the entire financial year. And unless reversed, these cuts will continue, with another round set to hit on July 1. Penalty rates have again become an issue in the federal election, where Bill Shorten used the Easter weekend to re-announce that if elected, they would reverse the cuts to penalty rates, which affect 700,000 workers across the nation. Also, a quick reminder that if you did work over the Easter period, you should check your payslip for penalty rates. If you're covered by an award and you work weekends or public holidays, you will almost certainly be entitled to higher rates of pay. If you aren't being paid correctly, call the union. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week, on the Community Radio Network. Throughout 2018, Stick Together reported on long-running wage disputes in the federal public service. Much of this centred around the federal government's unwillingness to offer pay increases above an arbitrary cap. Now, Tasmanian state public sector workers in more than half a dozen unions are fighting a similar battle in that state. Widespread strikes and stoppages are causing headaches to the Liberal state government in the lead-up to this year's budget. We spoke with the Assistant Secretary of the Community and Public Sector Union in Tasmania, Thurza White, for more. Thurza, thanks for joining us. 
Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Public sector workers have been locked in a bitter wage dispute with the Liberal government in Tasmania. Last December, we reported on school strikes, which shut down 75% of the state's schools. Is this current range of strikes and stop work meetings in Tasmania related to that dispute? Currently, we have seven unions involved in the Tasmania to Pay Rise campaign, and we are all kind of negotiating new agreements. So all of our activity has been coordinated and in solidarity with each other. And what exactly is the dispute about? At the core, the dispute or the bit that uh, joins us all together is about a decent and fair, fair pay. So here in Tasmania, we've had a public sector wage cap uh, for the last seven years, Tasmania's always been a low-wage state, but it's no longer a low-cost state, and our members felt that it was time to scrap the cap and that it was time for a pay rise that you know, met uh, the cost of living. Now, in Tasmania, the government is a m- large employer proportionally to the size of the population. What does the wage cap mean more broadly for the Tasmanian economy? They're the largest employer, so for us it's very much about, you know, I think, and this is not just for Tasmania, I would say this is across Australia, that public sector wage cap have really suppressed all Australians' wages. You know, we have a wage recession at the moment. I think state and federal governments have a really big part to play in that, especially for here where they are the largest employer. We know that if they were to give a decent pay rise tomorrow, um, that that would flow onto the private sector. And we also know that... You know, that when they say 2%, all of the uh, like government-owned enterprises, which are independent in their own right, they have executives, they make their own decisions, they flow on those same pay rises and they are as dogged in their refusal to move around wages. Um, but we also have heard that any sort of private sector employees that have contracts with government kind of throw out the line, well, if it's good enough for the public sector, it's good enough for us. So I think it really sets this ceiling that holds down everyone's wages. And we all know that Australians need a wage rise. So, you know, for us, it was also about that we just, you know, it's not just about public sector workers, it's about all Tasmanians. The ABS pointed out that workers in Tasmania, on average, earn $200 a week less than their mainland counterparts. Yeah, so I would say that historically, yeah, we've been a low-wage state, but we've also been a low-cost state. So, And one of the major areas around that has been, you know, Tassie's been an affordable place to buy a house. You know, you could be a working-class family or a family in the public sector and you could afford to buy a house and kind of meet your needs for your families. But that has really shifted in the last five years. You know, we've seen Tassie property skyrocket. Uh, we've seen a lot of investors from the mainland um, and we actually have a really high now housing crisis and part of this has also meant that actually the rental um, cost in Tassie, of Tasmanian houses is quite high in comparison to the mainland but fruit and veg and shopping um, like going to Coles is more expensive than the mainland. The costs have risen and we haven't seen our wages rise in the same way. And other than wages, are there other issues in dispute between the CPSU and the other unions and the Liberal government? Yeah, workload is always uh, a really big issue in the public sector. So, you know, that's been a big part of uh, the push by the nurses and the teachers. Um, around getting more resources into our public sector. For us, you know, what we would like to see is some real work around, I guess, recruitment and retention, career progression. We would like to see some changes in bringing the public sector up into the 21st century that would mean that people could have a genuine career. The issues that we have in the public sector are exactly the same as the private sector. So we have an emerging group of uh, workers um, who are in insecure work. For example, we have would have allied health professionals who work in schools 
and the way that their contracts are structured, that because they take off the um, the school holidays or the contract only is for their school terms, um, they're never eligible for um, permanency because they always have a break in their service. Uh, you know, we've got workers who work in service TAS who just cannot get more hours. They've been part-time for a decade and instead of increasing people's hours, um, they just bring more and more people on on part-time hours. Uh, and a, another major issue we would have is what we're kind of calling public sector wage theft. We have thousands of people across the public sector who work every day above and beyond what they're asked to do. You know, they do work of a higher value, particularly when they see like their boss resigned or takes a redundancy. Um, work is passed to them and they work at a higher level and they do that quite often in goodwill. They're not paid for that. Um, and if they did want to go and get paid and they wanted to go through the process to being reclassified, quite often their job is then, you know, their job security is threatened because that job is then put out to advertisement. So we'd like to see some changes to just how people are treated because, you know, this is a job where people get up every day and dedicate their lives to service and there are some things that, you know, just don't respect that commitment. And we think that the easy changes to make that would just mean that people would be more committed um, and would stay in jobs longer. And all of that for up to $200 a week less. It's no wonder that workers down there are up in arms. Uh, earlier in April, we saw some pretty big stop work meetings down there. I think uh, it was reported that more than 6,000 workers stopped work and the Hobart Town Hall was filled. Um, there are also a wave of other stop work actions and strikes. Can you give us a bit more detail on exactly how the campaign's tracking at the moment? Yeah, so that was our latest round. So we had about 6,000 turnout, which is about a quarter of the affected um, employees of the public sector. Um, so a quarter of the public sector turned out. Um, but we have a range of... So I guess what we all through this uh, campaign, there's been key points where public sector workers from all unions have come together. Um, but there's a range of other activities that are happening across all of the different unions. So, you know, we would have, we currently have some industrial action going in community corrections, um, in our prisons and in child safety and in our parks. Um, and we're all also working in our community to kind of talk to the community about why this is a really important issue. So, it's a very big campaign and the largest we've probably seen in, in almost two decades. Um, and now we're just really, all unions have kind of come off that peak of, I guess, the last stop work meeting. And what we're now looking to do is, um, is in the lead up to the budget. And I saw that today you were taking action out the front of the Treasury building down there. Uh, what's next for the campaign? Uh, budget. The budget day is a really important day for... Budgets are about priorities. We need Treasurer Gutwin and Premier Hodgman to actually, you know, make take a stance and actually say, you know what, the, uh, the living standards of my employees are important and to make that really clear in their budget what their priority is. And we know that, you know, that date, budget date, is a really important point. If they don't make that in that date, then we're going to have to really think about where we escalate to from here. And if there are listeners out there that want to get more involved or, you know, take part or support the campaign, where should they look for more details? Uh, they should go to the Tassie Needs a Pay Rise website and they can sign up to our petitions. Um, there and then they will be kept up to date on the campaign or even better they should get on Twitter and Facebook um, and send a direct message to um, Treasurer Grutwin and Premier Hodgman as to why they'd see, like to see Tasmanians get a pay rise. Thursa White, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. Thank you. That was Thursa White, Assistant Secretary of the Tasmanian Branch of the Community and Public Sector Union. You can follow their campaign by connecting on Facebook. Just search for CPSU Tasmania. You're listening to Stick Together.
union news and workers' stories right around the country on the Community Radio Network. Heading to Queensland now, where hospital pharmacists are locked in a bitter dispute with Epic Pharmacy, a company that operates hospital pharmacies and produces cancer medication. In enterprise agreement negotiations where the company has sought to cut pay and conditions, the workers have taken the novel approach to industrial action, offering free drugs to the patients that need them. The action has been met with heavy reprisals as we hear from Gianni Satilli, lead organiser with their union, Professionals Australia. Epic Pharmacy might be just the biggest pharmacy company that people have never heard of. What exactly do they do? So Epic Pharmacy um, is a hospital pharmacy services company. So if you run a hospital or a group of hospitals, you'd go to Epic and you'd say can you please run uh, my pharmacy for me? I want to save money and I also can't efficiently produce all the medications that I want on site. So Epic Pharmacy not only dispense medications at hospitals, but they also make medicine. Yeah, they make some medicines that are more um, sort of specific. So oncology medication, uh, it's not just, you know, mass produced like Panadol. Um, It's more specialist and and specified per person and... um, doesn't also have the, necessarily the, the staying the shelf life of Panadol, but it's made in compounding pharmacies. So the workers that are taking industrial action at Epic, are they the dispensing pharmacists or are they the people making the medicine? So they're the dispensing pharmacists and pharmacy support staff in the hospitals themselves. So they're the ones that if you go to hospital and you and you have a have a have a procedure, they're the person that comes and. Uh, make sure when you leave that you know, you've got your medication and you know how to take it safely. They're the people that make sure while you're in the hospital you get all the medication delivered to you that you need and they're the people that make sure that um, you know, no doctor or anyone else by accident has given you two medications that'll kill you in combination. These workers are now taking industrial action. Can you tell us how the dispute started and what's at its core? Uh, our members uh, started off, we, we were party to an agreement with the hospital group, United Care Health, um, about two years ago, they outsourced their uh, hospital pharmacy services to Epic. We weren't able to stop the outsourcing, but we were able to win certain uh, guarantees that you know no one would lose pay, that no one would lose conditions, that there'd be you know certain level of staffing to make sure that workloads were safe. That's something that our members care really strongly about. And um, from there, we asked. Uh, we've tried to start negotiating an agreement with Epic um, for months. They fobbed us off until our members and delegates got organised, they did a majority support petition. So they, it's a process under the Fair Work Act where if you get a majority of people to sign onto a, onto a petition, you can compel the employer to start negotiating, and that's what we, we had to do. Um, since then, um, essentially, Epic has not taken... We don't believe they've take, had bargaining as a priority. We think that they've uh, really been focused on expanding, they've been focused on running the business to make money, and they haven't really been focused on, you know, normal negotiations and sort of... Uh, so you were successful in guaranteeing the conditions in the transition of business, but now the company's seeking some pretty vicious cuts. Well, they pulled up the award and they asked us what was wrong with it. <laughs> and mm. um, our members said, well, it's just shockingly low. It's been a long process, but yeah, we've, we've ended up here uh, where we are forced to take industrial action because um, our members are looking down the barrel of some pay cuts. Do you blame this dispute on the outsourcing in the initial sense and the cost cutting there? Is that where this all starts? Partly, but it's it's really a, a sector-wide problem. Um, for a long time, people have thought they could uh, pick on pharmacists and pharmacy workers and they would be able to cut their pay and conditions and um, treat them worse and worse um, in what our Marxist friends would call proletarianisation. Essentially, uh, this is what it's always been like um, in these contract pharmacy organisations. Like, Ideally, they'd be insourced, but um, if they're not, then it doesn't mean they have to be bad jobs. The outsourcing wasn't good, but... It's not so much the outsourcing so much as Epic's approach. 
Many people might be surprised by this. It's, pharmacists are not a occupation or a profession where you would immediately associate them with union action and industrial activity. How have things got to this point where now we're seeking, I think the materials show up cuts of up to $15,000 a year being proposed by the company? Um, well, it's gotten to this point by... Uh, same things happen in a lot of areas, but big companies have come into sectors that used to be sort of small business dominated or dominated by, you know, not-for-profit, like faith-based or public organisations. And those people have a profit motive and those people want to extract as much value as they can out of contracts. And that means that they, you know, extract the money from the workers. Our members have not taken that line down, though. They are they have stood up, they have organised, they are fighting. But I think it's, it's part of the general trend of services are not being run to to benefit the patients, but rather to be rather being run for profit. And what other types of paying condition cuts are the pharmacists facing at Epic? So I will say it's the pharmacy support workers as well. So we represent the technicians there as well. Um, but they're facing things like you know Epic wants to reduce their long service leave entitlement from 13 weeks a year down to sort of 8.3, which is a legal minimum. Um, they want to remove uh, early and late shift penalties for pharmacists. Um, they want to cut the penalty they get given on a Saturday, um, and it's and they want to um, yeah sort of enshrine a sort of three tier wage system so people working next to each other doing the same work could be paid very different amounts, which obviously is like on a on a basic level that's just wrong, um, but it also is extremely bad for morale um, and obviously bad morale in the pharmacy doesn't necessarily mean good outcomes for patients. Mm. And it's been reported in the media this week that retail, hospitality and pharmacy workers have lost $80 million because of the cuts to penalty rates in the awards. Mm. Do you think that those cuts to awards are also creating an incentive for business to come after similar types of cuts to penalty rates during enterprise bargaining negotiations? Um, I think so. I think, I think what it does is it gives the employers uh, license to cut. Um, it says that, you know, the conditions that people have had for a long time aren't theirs, but uh, things that can be taken away. So it gives, it emboldens employers, really. Um, like our members, not just at Epic, but at other, other places, um, National Pharmacies, which is a community pharmacy chain, um, we have, you know, we've, we've taken action there before to defend Sunday penalty rates. But, um, yeah, it means that uh, workers are, in, are forced into a defensive position. We have to protect what we've got rather than, you know, discuss you know, improving conditions or improving rates of pay or improving, you know, workplace democracy, which is really where we need to be right now. So what type of action are these workers taking up there? Um, our members basically have uh, stopped taking payments for any medications. Um, they're processing all medication um, as private scripts, which means that the company pays for them. Um, and they're not taking uh, med payments from customers at the pharmacy um, essentially, we, you know, our members are, are professionals. They've got professional obligations, and you know, just as people, they're concerned about their patients. So, um, the actions we're taking so far have only economically harmed the employer. None, none of them have affected patient safety. Uh, but essentially, it's it's um, uh, as my I was telling my uh, mum about it, and she said, "Oh, so it's free drugs then?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I guess it's free drugs." And what's the company's response been? The company has uh, responded in a really aggressive way. Um, they have nitpicked um, certain specific uh, things and accused us of taking unprotected action, which of course is not true. Um, they've alleged, uh, they've, they've uh, done what is in quite an uncommon thing, but they've uh, reduced the amount of pay 
that members are being paid as a result of them taking action. Some between 25 and 80 percent, which is a massive amount um, of a cut to you know people who are already on pay only a bit above the award, which is sort of you know lower than some shop assistants. So um, we're fighting that. Uh, we're taking them to the commission, and we've received a lot of really good cross-movement support. We've had support from a variety of different unions and the ACTU uh, in our preparation for the case for this. But, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty sure we can take them on and, and hopefully we can win a bit of an outcome out of the Commission, though, of course, it's an independent process, so we don't really know what can happen. We'd never want to assume. But that is a, it's a really big concern. This, is, this isn't just about one workplace for, for Professionals Australia. This is about the future of pharmacy. This is about making sure that uh, we actually have uh, where we, our members are fighting for a pharmacy to be a good place to work. They're fighting for uh, good jobs. They're fighting for work-life balance. They're fighting for workloads that are safe so that patients can be looked after. Uh, and they're fighting for you know, a turnaround of what we've talked about. They're fighting for a turnaround of the um, constant cuts to pharmacists' paying conditions and pharmacy workers' paying conditions. Um, so you said the company is withholding 80% or up to 80% yeah. of the workers' wage uh, for taking this action of dispensing drugs without payment. That yeah. seems like an extreme amount when these cuts for partial work bans are meant to be based on the time spent doing this work. Oh, yeah. So why do you think they're taking this action which appears to be so against the Fair Work Act? Well, because, well, first of all, they can. Um, we think that uh, the way they've done the calculations has been just completely wrong and unfair. Uh, we think they've done it because they're punishing our members for taking effective industrial action. That's why they're doing this. Uh, they're doing it because our members have been fighting them and it's been hurting them, and they're, they want them to stop. We're in a fight, and they want to try to punish our people for fighting them. So the union set up a fundraising page so that people can get behind these workers? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got a uh, fundraising on the platform Raisley, so it's epic dash solidarity dot raisley r-a-i-s-e-l-y dot com that was johnny satilli lead organizer with the queensland branch of professionals australia you can support the hospital pharmacist by heading to epic hyphen solidarity dot r-a-i-s-e-l-y dot com that's it for the show this week thanks for listening and thanks to thursa and johnny for joining us Stitch Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and it's beamed all around the country thanks to the Community Radio Network and your local community station. Program is supported financially by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and listeners like you. So you can do your bit to keep worker stories on the air by calling your local station and subscribing today. If you'd like to get in contact with the producers of the show, you can call us on 03 9419 8377 or emailing us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Stick Together Program. If you want to listen back to the program or other recent episodes, you can find them at 3cr.org.au forward slash sticktogether. The podcast is also on iTunes and please leave us a review. We always love to get your feedback. Finally, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. I'm Matt Kunkel. Until next time, stick together. <laughs>